You're listening to Tone Benders, the sound designer's podcast. Let's do this. Hey everybody, welcome to Tonebenders. My name is Tim and today we have Gilbert Lake sitting in with us to talk about his work as the re-recording mixer on Wonder Woman 1984. Welcome to the show, Gilbert. Hi, thank you for having me. It's a real pleasure to be on. You'll know Gilbert's previous work in the first Wonder Woman, Mission Impossible, Rogue Nation, and one of my favorite movies, District 9. That is an amazing movie. Now, Gilbert, you've kind of faked me out a little bit because when looking down your IMDb credit list, all of your early films are projects that took place in New Zealand. And yet when I hear you talk, you don't have a New Zealand accent. Explain yourself. <laughs> so explain myself. Um, so I, I'm from the UK. So I was born in London. I sort of came up through a bit of the industry in London. So I started kind of technically for Dolby, actually started working for them in London. And actually my career sort of, you know, in film sound specifically began because at university I was... I was on quite a technical course doing acoustics and audio systems. I'm a bit of a, you know, like I love music. I love messing around with music. The only downside is that I'm not a great musician. And I, I loved <laughs> I loved being involved in sound, especially the connection of technical and creative collaboration. I love that kind of area. You know, most people tend to sort of straddle the technical and the creative. And there's kind of a really nice kind of Venn diagram there with the bit in the middle that I think sort of really appeals. So I was studying quite like a technical degree and the opportunity came up to do like a year in industry and I went to work for Dolby and it was quite a technical job, you know, going into studios and sort of looking at lineups and recording down soundtracks, uh, meeting lots of mixers and, you know, editors and stuff on the stage, but being in a very technical capacity. And I remember specifically like really early on going into Shepparton, which is one of the biggest sort of shooting stage post-production sort of facilities in London going onto a stage there and a couple of mixers, uh, Ray Merrin and Graham Daniel were mixing a film for Danny Boyle, The Beach. And I remember walking in just kind of, you know, going, all right, so this is, you know, here we are, big studio and meeting the people around it. And we were just going to print master the film. And I remember the lights going down and just the console being, a, you know, alive with meters and just a great film as well, you know, and some funky music in it and, you know, just really loving the vibe of the room and, you know, how it was all coming together. Yes. And I, I think at that moment, I kind of just, you know, it sort of sparked. I went, you know, like, a, I don't want to be doing this. I want to be doing that. I want to be in the <laughs> chair, you know, sort of mixing on these films, getting involved in the sound, the creative process, working with directors that, you know, have that kind of sparky energy and creative sort of power behind them. Completely turned on to that. But I was in this job for Dolby. So I kind of had to have a think about, you know, how to go go about it, you know, carefully plan sort of how to get started in a career on that side of the fence. And really what I did was just ended up quitting the technical job and just kind of going, <laughs> I need to just go and explore this. I need to go and uh, find a way to be involved. Part of that breakaway from that was kind of wanting to go out and explore the world a bit. Um, my wife is from New Zealand originally, so we sort of took a, you know, hit on going over to New Zealand. Uh, they just finished kind of the main mix of Two Towers when I arrived in New Zealand. Lord of the Rings, Two Towers. Yeah, the, the Lord of the Rings film, the Peter Jackson film, the middle film. And I think I walked into the studio for a chat with John Neal, who's the, the head of the sound studio down there. 
just as they were kind of like on their backs, taking deep breaths, kind of like exhausted from the process. And I think they went, oh, here's somebody who can help us out technically, who wants to get involved in uh, in the process. We're all the way down here in New Zealand. You know, like it's great to have somebody new on board. And so I really I got lucky. I got an in and that was the start of a big journey over there. So that was 12, 13 years of working at Park Road Post, which is Peter Jackson's sound facility down there. And really going from uh, Two Towers all the way to the second Hobbit film. So King Kong and Tintin and Lovely Bones were done down there. District 9, you mentioned, uh, was like a real highlight down there because it was a larger scale than most New Zealand films by a stretch, but not quite the Peter Jackson size. So I got a real opening on that to be involved and to, to mix that film. And it was also quite a quick turnaround for a job. So it was a all hands on deck and there was some real creative just fast-paced energy went into that film and and it has such a great arc to it i love the arc of that film you know going from like handheld to by the end of it you know big explosions and motherships and you know all that kind of stuff so the whole time in new zealand that was a real thrill one of the great blessings of being down there at that time especially in contrast to being here in london now i think it's very hard for people starting out in the industry to find a way to be on a stage and see people working and uh, see a a lot of what we do. And you'll know this, a lot of what we do is not, you know, you can learn pro tools, you can learn how to use a desk. A lot of it is the collaboration and the communication and how we act in the room and being open to other people's ideas, not closing off from, you know, other opinions. And, you know, that's, that's a huge part of what we do. And I, th- I think uh, that I was so lucky at that point in time to be in amongst that kind of atmosphere and seeing some really great people work. Like I, you know, I owe a lot to Mike Hedges, his New Zealand mixer who was on those films who, you know, took me under his wing. Uh, Chris Boys and Michael Zemanek and Gary Summers and uh, Laura Hirschberg and, you know, all these kind of like names that, you know, you see written down in interviews or kind of, you know, in, uh, in trade mags and things like that, where he kind of go, wow, like, you know, uh, these, these are the real people. It's not a soap opera that happens over in Hollywood, you know, it's like, <laughs> or, or in Northern California, it's the, this is the real deal. So I got to sit in with a lot of people who just are really skilled and have great chops. And, you know, it's really, it was a huge part of my development was getting to be on the stage there and then really taking some of that and, applying it to my own sensibilities and working through from there. So yeah, it was an amazing playground to learn in, in that way. And also there's a huge dynamic in the types of films that they were mixing through Park Road Post. So you've got Peter Jackson who makes a film every four or five years or three films in three years, depending on what what he's up to at the time. (laughs) Uh, And then you've got local films that are, you know, don't have the budgets of, of a Peter Jackson film, but very much want you to be a part of their creative process in the same way. And I think that's common throughout the industry that no matter what we're working on, usually we're trying to keep our quality levels and our interest and our you know application right up there all the way through the process. So yeah, it was a it was a really great, a great place to learn. And it was really family that brought me back to London. So I'm London based now. Wonder Woman we mixed in in London. I'm actually sat uh, uh, on the stage at Warner Brothers Delane Lee, which is right in the heart of London. And uh, it's the stage we mixed the first Wonder Woman in and the stage we mixed Wonder Woman 1984 in. So um, 
yeah, it feels like a bit of a journey. It helps that you go around the world and kind of come back again, you know, in your learning process. But um, I, I completely feel how lucky I got with some of the opportunities that were given to me. I'm nowhere near the end of my career, but there's a certain point where I feel like you're quite happy to start imparting kind of not not wisdom experience, you know, down to down to people. And I feel like I'm sort of starting to reach that. And it's it's definitely something we we should all be a bit mindful of, I think, especially at the moment in pandemic times where lots of people are working from home and home studios, bedroom studios down the end of their garden, where we don't have that, you know, cross-pollination of ideas and techniques and, you know, just com- creative conversations, you know. So, I, yeah, I'm very mindful of that at the moment. Well, you had an excellent mentorship experience yourself. So finding a way to pass that on to the next generation must be important. Exactly, exactly. And I think we have a real diversity problem in our industry, you know, occasionally go back to crew photographs and see photographs from time in New Zealand or in London. I think things are maybe getting slightly better with sort of gender roles throughout the industry. You know, we're, we're not representative of society as a whole in terms of the makeup of crews and things like that. That's a big deal at the moment. And part of that conversation with people who are starting out in the industry. I think it's, you know, a lot of what we do is about experience and it's about starting at a certain point and working up. And so it's very hard to jump in at kind of, you know, mixing Hollywood blockbuster or, or whatever, but we definitely have to start really working on finding ways to get people into the industry who are currently not represented enough. We did a whole episode on that with a woman named Emma Butt right. and the study that she did recently, that was uh, not an encouraging study. So we definitely have to find ways to improve on that for sure. Well, aren't you resourceful? Come with me. No, I don't think so. Remove this woman, please, permanently. Wonder Woman 1984. You mentioned that you mix it at Delane Lee, which is a legendary stage. It's been around for a really long time. How do you mix a super modern blockbuster in a stage that's been around for decades and decades? It's an old building and it's right in the heart of London. But actually, the stage is a uh, pretty great size. Uh, sort of looking around it now, I would say it's ooh, probably, you know, about 20 odd meters long and sort of maybe 14 meters wide something you know like a a big room we've got a big stage it's not crammed into a building but it's the latest high-tech equipment it has you know we we sort of mix I'm completely in the box so I'm mixed on an S6 Gary who mixed Wonder Woman with me was working through the DFC and has a a sidecar S6 as well to work to that's Gary Rizzo yeah Gary Rizzo yeah we mix in Dolby Atmos a lot in this room it's well isolated from the rest of London, you know, don't hear too many tube trains or double-decker buses going by. When I spoke with Richard King, he mentioned that you had to modify the stage for, in some way for Wonder Woman. Is that true? We had a look at the uh, subwoofer setup because what what Delaney does have is a fairly big rake in the room. So the mix positions uh, kind of level with the screen, uh, but there's a big rake going down. And the subwoofers being towards the bottom of the screen definitely don't have the kind of air movement straightforward directly at the listening position. So we looked at um, uh, replacing subwoofers and uh, sort of beefing up that low end of the stage just to give us a, a bit more of a truer indication just based on the that rake. So for Wonder Woman, you obviously mix the first one as well. And in the second one, the first scene that we have Wonder Woman as an adult in, it seems to have a really different tone 
than both the rest of 1984 and the previous one. It's got a very almost cartoony vibe to it. I think you start off with this big epic scene of this um, kind of race in Themyscira and kind of uh, almost uh, Olympic challenges, you know, for young Diana. And that kind of has very much the feel of the first film kind of being sort of epic, sweeping kind of camera moves, big vistas. And then I think coming into that first sequence in 1984, that's really our moment where we switch gears and we say, hey, this is this is what this film is. This is like Superman. It's, it's like has that playfulness of the 80s, that sort of dynamism has sort of a lot of the colour and charm suddenly is in the picture. You know, you really sort of see that stuff pop. And I think sound-wise, you're looking at imparting that same vibe with the sound of muscle cars or the eye dents on Max Lord's TV commercial or um, the sort of feel of the era kind of seeping into the into the soundtrack. I think uh, Hans's score has that kind of very tongue-in-cheek sort of playfulness about it where it's like working with the beats and we're able to come in with sound effects to kind of hit beats and it drops for us. And it, it just feels very much like a, um, yeah, constructed kind of a playfulness in that scene. I, I, I think right through from that opening of the jogger, you know, in that scene, right through into the end of the mall sequence, the big set piece in the mall, I think there's just a lovely rhythm to that sequence where we sort of get sound effects popping, the music drops in, drops out, kind of gives us a little break, kind of just, I, I think that sequence is just beautifully constructed. Did you have any trouble trying to find the balance between hard-edged and uh, like m having to mellow it out? Or Patty has a very particular style, which is she doesn't want aggression. She doesn't like that kind of aggressive, high-end, edgy sound effect, you know, really piercing through the audience. And so there's not a need with her films to build up these huge cacophonous scenes with sound effects. It's all about being precise and being clear with what we're trying to say in that moment. And um, Hans's score is a big beast. It's, there's a lot of instrumentation going on there. There's a lot of synth work under the huge orchestra and the huge drums. And it's it's finding the sort of rhythm and the gaps and the the moments where we can really sort of tell the story and add jeopardy or add comedy or add the emotion into it. So uh, it's really fun to play with those sequences, but it's, it's a huge amount of work pushing through uh, those scores. It's really <laughs> demanding. For sure. I don't want to give away the context of the scene that I'm about to ask you about because it's uh, near the end of the film. But this scene has a character who's in a, a beam of light with wind flying everywhere and energy going on. And at the same time, there is a very softly spoken monologue happening. How do you make that work? Which you did. It works really well. But you must have just been terrified of that scene when you saw it coming down the pipe. Yeah, I think that's absolutely was the most challenging sequence in the whole film for lots of reasons I, I mean it starts off uh patty's very true to the actor's performances on the day and you know she really wants to keep that production in the movie and if you look at the, the sequence we're talking about it's you know there's a lot of movement of paper of hair of wind machine kind of going the whole time to uh, put those actors in that space and also there's quite a soft performance at the heart of it 
you've got the cacophony of you know sounds that you see on the screen you know the the visual sort of mix that you see but you've got to find a way to work it in there so you know the performance isn't underwhelmed we get the starts of the music and can cue into some of that we can get the feel of the energy of this basically a vortex a wind vortex with paper flying around that starts off very much uh, in the design stage with Richard King and Jimmy Boyle who look at elements uh, needed for the scene. Richard put in a lot of work into the actual spinning kind of, I guess, the electrical power of the machine. Jimmy put a lot of work into the wind and the movement of paper. And then then on top of that, there's uh, a lot of dialogue work on wishes flying around. So within this space, we're sort of, we're kind of, bending that kind of reality where we're hearing people's wishes come into this this bunker all of that has to play a part in the story and it really starts with i guess dialogue you know kind of leads the way so we find a great place to put the dialogue and uh, uh gary rizzo worked really hard on that production dialogue to make it usable i mean first listen you're kind of oh i'm not sure about this with so much noise around it and then it's really about finding a way to bed in that dialogue with some of our sound effects so that we're not hearing kind of the shash and the hiss and the noise disappear and kind of come and go too much and that it sort of feels natural to the listener. And then we're adding music onto that and finding the space within the music to play some of the sound effects to give us that power. You know, we went down a few roads where we found the cacophony and we didn't find the, you know, the clarity we wanted. And it's really about, you know, sacrificing elements that you know you might have become attached to in the premix or in the edit and really kind of looking at back and forth between myself and Gary at the how we sort of construct the scene I think that's a really important point uh, in all these processes it's a collaboration it's always a collaboration there's no you know nobody can sit on one side of a desk or sit on one edit station and kind of really push and push their ideas there's always kind of a conversation to be had and it's the first time I'd worked with Gary and uh, Richard and I've worked with Jimmy a lot in the past. It's all about those conversations as you mix and as you kind of go through a sequence and we're able to sort of hand off little moments to each other or can we have a bit of space here and can we just find a way to have the noise from the dialogue just come in a little bit shallower there and we can play this sound effect here that will just kind of allow us to get into that moment. The scene, it has a, a really dramatic and challenging dynamic. There's a twist halfway through the scene. I mean, you've seen the film. We go from energy and power and a crazy kind of chaos straight into just a very softly spoken kind of emotional moment. And that that twist was a lot of work to find that moment and to find it really working every time. In these situations, we work on 10 mixes coming into the final mix. So we actually started Wonder Woman, I think, in April of... 2019 with a, a director's cut temp mix where we're sort of putting sound to the picture and you sort of we work up a version for that sequence back in April 2019 and by the time we've got to November of that year and we're kind of coming towards the end of the sort of final mix process for that film you know that's evolved you know a myriad of times and and you, you'll get it in a temp where you think wow that's great we've nailed that <laughs> and then you'll come back to it, you know, you'll come back to it and, you know, Jimmy will look at it a week later in his edit room and just have a look at some of the elements or, or Richard. The next time it's up on the stage, you're going, wow, we can do better than that. <laughs> you know, like it's, you, you evolve it and evolve it and evolve it. 
a lot of this role is about that kind of polishing and pushing on and developing, you know, as we go through. We're very lucky in the size of this film that we get some time to work with the tracks and to sort of develop it and push it forward. If we didn't make the most of that, I think we'd be out of a job. It is about that refining process and not taking too many dead ends and just moving forward as much as we can each time. It's part of the reason for mixing in the box and mixing on, you know, uh, within Pro Tools is we're able to carry a lot of that forward through the process and sort of develop it. And for me as a mixer, that's a very much a trust exercise with editorial teams because you put some work in in a, in a temp mix or in a pre-mix and then it goes back to an editorial colleague who puts it up on their machine. Oh, just have a look at this moment here. And, and everybody has to be on their game with knowing the direction of travel and, you know, again, all about collaboration and talking and uh, creative chats and, you know, even down to have a drink on a Friday night at the end of a hard week and just chat, you know, a little bit about the film and what you're struggling with. And, you know, all those, all those moments count towards the final piece. So that section was definitely a, a big moment, big twists and big builds and, uh, taking emotion with us all the way. Yeah, it's a challenge. It's not short either. It's not like a 30-second scene. It goes on for a little while. What I was so impressed about is that balance kept holding. I would have crapped my pants if I had seen that the first cut of that scene and be like, how are we going to do that? Because at one point, uh, Gal Gadot, as Wonder Woman, she's darn near whispering. And there's just full-on chaos going all around her. And yet I could hear every word she said. I think uh, you're not alone in that, in that feeling of <laughs> crappy fans. There's, there's always those moments. And, you, you know, like that's where temp mixing is great because you see the challenges early. You know, we didn't get to October uh, and suddenly think, wow, actually, this seems hard. You know, those challenges <laughs> are laid bare at the beginning. That's where, you, you know, experience comes into it. I think there's certainly ways to deal with those scenes and to kind of find a path through it that uh, come with experience there's also patty is very clear with what she wants in a soundtrack you know i've worked with a, a lot of directors over the years some of them will come in for a review of the reel give you some notes disappear some of them will come in for a few days disappear off to the grade for a bit go check on the cgi the the visual effects patty is here the whole time you know she is she's cued in she's very pragmatic in the sense that you you know you can say look we're just working on this sequence give us a moment and we'll we'll get it to where we can show it to you she'll have her ear on it still she's uh, has a brilliant ear for music and for hearing the nuance in music really challenging you know to work with i think gary did a great job of just keeping on top of the score and the so many elements in that score i don't think hans ever comes with too little <laughs> so i think you know he really had his work cut out just getting that into the film but also being able to have those conversations with patty the whole time about tiny nuances within the score so it's great to have a director who's so on point like that and it you know other directors are like that but some some definitely aren't and you know sometimes you're asked to sort of present your way and then get some notes back and sometimes it's just this constant dialogue which you know is 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 great it's really you know pushes us the whole mix for wonder woman 1984 was completed before covid was a thing right we got to november with a pretty good shape on the film uh, very very close cut of the film very very close and then because the release date was being pushed back 
we were able to go in in I think March or something and uh, have have a look at some other little bits and pieces. Uh, you know, we're always chasing visual effects in this industry. It's like things evolve constantly into you know as you're working on them. We're always sort of slightly waiting for the next image to come. We're always having those conversations where, right, so we've got this rhythm in here that works like this. You're not going to change that, are you? And then, you know, things evolve, different notes come in from different areas of the picture department and things change. And so we were really lucky that we were able to go and address a few of those moments in March. Um, We actually did deliveries for the project um, under lockdown which is, you know, very, um, we're under lockdown number three here in London at the moment. The kind of rules are that if you can't work from home, which I, I can't, I rely on a bigger studio to work in, then uh, you're able to travel into into town. We sort of have lots of, you know, it's, it's masks on, you know, pretty much all the time around the building, set number of people coming into rooms. And actually, I'm lucky I'm pre-mixing at the moment. And it's just me and uh, Mixtech James comes in occasionally to sort of, you know, fix the stuff you broke. Yeah, fix the stuff. Tell me that. It, <laughs> tell me that it was all my fault. <laughs> That's what they do. Um, it, it's a very different feel at the moment. We're the film working on at the moment. We, we were due to mix in Berlin last summer. That couldn't happen. So we're now director is still in Berlin. The effects crew are still in Berlin. The sound effects crew are still in Berlin, and we're zooming together we're looking at ways to connect source connect tvips mixes across to berlin we're going to collaborate like that i think it's a new world for so many people you know in that way and it's not smaller projects bigger projects everything you know we're all trying to find our way our feet in this crazy era we're living in at the moment full of interesting times yeah, definitely. I haven't seen the director on the series I'm working on since March, right. uh, other than Zoom. So we put out 23 episodes or something like that since then, never actually been in the same room. So yeah, it's a, it's a w- weird world we're living in right now. It's gonna be it's gonna be a hell of a rap party. That's all. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> when, when, when COVID wraps, we will be having a party. Yes, some glasses will be raised for sure. Thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, you've been a joy to have as a guest, and uh, we're going to have to have you on again to talk about the future projects that you work on. Thank you very much. Uh, anytime, Tim. Thank you. Film Bitters is produced by Timothy Muirhead, Renee Coronado, and Teresa Morrow. Theme music is by Mark Strait. Send your emails to info at tonebenderspodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter via at the Tonebenders, and join Tonebenders Podcast on Facebook. Support this podcast. You can use our links when you shop with Amazon or B&H, or leave us a tip. Just go to ToneBendersPodcast.com and click the support button. Thanks for listening. If you are interested in more pro-audio related content, stay tuned to hear what other members of the Audio Podcast Alliance are releasing. To learn more and find links to other shows similar to ToneBenders, go to audiopodcast.org. Hi, this is Michael Helms, host of the Location Sound Podcast. On our recent episode, I spoke with production sound mixer and boom op Juan Montoto Ugarte, based out of Madrid, Spain. We talk about working on Terminator Dark Fate and the hit Netflix series Money Heist. Check out the latest episode. Hi, this is Christian from the Sound Effect Podcast. In our latest episode, you'll hear Jonas Bream Jensen, Ivo Sisolak, and Gabriel Johannesson 
from the IO Interactive audio team talk about their work on the sound for Hitman 3. Listen now at soundeffect.com forward slash podcast. <laughs>